In a world full of confusing conversations that divides the world into black and white, our hosts invite listeners to abandon duality and live in the gray. By approaching each topic with unapologetic boldness, clarity, and nuance, even we know that leans into the opportunity to say the quiet parts out loud. Now, here are our hosts, LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. Hello out there. Hello out there. Another wonderful Wednesday in the neighborhood. This is Latoya Green of Higher Definition Leadership and Empowerment Coaching. So excited to be with you all again. If you're watching live, thank you for joining us. If you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you for tapping in. This is Even We Know That right here on the Inspired Choices Network. Hanging out, not by myself, but with my amazing co-host, Kat Schwartz. Kat, say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. I am the CEO and founder of Compassionate Healing Services. I'm a former physical therapist. I do. We're going to talk a lot today about my work as far as an energy healer, Reiki master, masters specifically. Um, and I always have such a good time talking to you, Toya. So if you've Absolutely. missed any of our previous conversations, this is episode five of eight. So please check out uh, some incredible conversations that we've had, especially because they're foundational to the understanding or at least um, give a lot more context and nuance to the conversation that we're going to have today. And listen, because I'm not too uh, big or too important to be corrected or to correct myself, I want to fix something. I said, I said, Kat Schwartz. And it's funny because of me and Kat getting to know each other. I put a phantom T um, in Kat's name and it does not exist. Kat's name is Kat Schwartz and she is here. Um, and you can find Kat and more information about what she does and who she is and how she can, in, you know, increase and add value to your life. If you go to chsyoga.com, chsyoga.com, or even look up Kat on Instagram at Compassionate Healing Service. I'm sorry, at Compassionate Healing Services. I'm going to get it right and speak correctly because I want you all to be able to find Kat. And me too. If you want to find me, I'm at higherdefinitionlec.com, higherdefinitionlec.com. So this all kind of flows into our discussion we want to have today about ego. And, you know, today's show is not just about ego, but ego versus intuition. Now, with the name of the show, I want to make sure we spend some time at the start of the conversation really unpacking what we mean by ego, because a lot of people have some misinterpreted understandings or use ego in one way, right? Typically, when we think about ego, we think about this notion of narcissism or self-importance, right? The positioning or the posturing of our egos, or maybe we criticize or indict somebody else for operating and moving in ego. And that could be a part of a larger equation. But Kat, if you would, take some time and just break down these operational phrases that we've shaped this conversation about. What do we mean when we're talking about ego and intuition. Can you define those terms for us? Absolutely. And I think it's a good place to start with ego because the reality is most of us are far, far, far more acquainted with our ego. You know, mm -hmm. we accuse narcissists of being very egotistical or egocentric, and that is certainly true. But the reality is we all have an ego, right? Mm -hmm. Every single human has an ego. And the, the most simple word I like to use to define ego is mind, right? Your ego is your conditioned mind. And let's go back to um, a, a relevant example. I know it was uh, something that you really clicked with. Mm -hmm. When babies are born, right? When a baby is born prior and may, luckily, hopefully that baby has not endured any trauma because pre-birth trauma absolutely exists, right? But most babies hopefully enter this world um, having no traumatic experience, sure. right? And when a baby is really in that early stages of development, a baby is simply 
expressing itself, right? Purely. That baby is simply expressing hunger, expressing sadness, expressing cold, whatever the need is. The baby is crying, right? So there could it could it be true that baby is not a terrible two, but it's a, a you know, those two, that two-year-old is when you really start to come into the fullness of your voice and the fact that when you act, people respond. And the fact that if you make enough noise or the right types of noises, there will be a particular outcome. Is it that level of awareness that really maybe we're getting at when we look at the terrible twos? Right. Well, if anything, I think, and, and as a mom of, you know, thankfully two kids were way out of the terrible twos. Mm-hmm. I certainly know what you're talking about. But if anything, I think those tantrums um, in our in our early toddlers are a reaction to the fact that we really are supposed to be able to authentically express our emotions. That is what's mm-hmm. most natural to you. Think about the word emotion, energy in motion right? If you have an emotion and you are not allowed to express that, and how does that happen? Oh, because every family, every, you know, society, um, you know, will tell a child that it's not appropriate, right? It's not mm-hmm. appropriate to cry or, and what the child ultimately has to essentially choose between is authenticity and connection. But the problem is those are both absolute needs for survival, right? Mm-hmm. So you essentially stop being authentic so that you can fit in. And that has significant consequences, right? So, but like when we think about just the very early days or even moments of a baby, right? A baby or even a a one-year-old and up to a two-year-old is not going to stop before it it cries out for food or its mother or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the need is. It's not going to stop and think, hmm, is mommy busy? Hmm, should should I really, um, should I be doing this right now? Am I going to, um, am I going to hurt anybody else? I mean, you're not going to have a child with that level of awareness, right? Right. So it's fair to say that's a good example of how we are not born with an ego, right? We are obviously born with a body, (laughs) right? We are born with a soul. We'll get to that on the intuition portion. Mm -hmm. And through, this is where we go back to our earlier conversations, through the fact that unfortunately, especially in the United States of America, we live in a, a, a society in which trauma is truly a public health crisis, right? And because we do have such rigid beliefs around, let's say, gender roles, when not everybody fits that binary, right? Or um, we have things like white supremacy and mm-hmm. capitalism in place that are teaching specific or fat phobia, who are, are teaching specific people or in specific bodies that their bodies are wrong, right? right. And our ego is what develops, and starting at a very early age, of all of those traumas, fears voices, bullies, family members, even if well-intentioned, who essentially conditioned that person, that child becoming that adult of how you should behave, how you should act. And that's essentially what your ego is. The the colloquial, casual term I like to use for the ego is the itty bitty shitty committee, right? (laughs) Right? It's that constant chatter in your head that is telling you you're not good enough, you're ugly, you're this, you're that, you shouldn't try, right? It's that really, really critical, ugly voice that now that I'm saying it, most people are like, wait, what? That voice isn't just (laughs) naturally me. Right. (laughs) I mean, can you can you relate to that, Toya? I most definitely can, right? And I think there's been a, a constant tug and you know pull a, was it pull a tug of war, a, a constant back and forth to figure out at what moments at what moments do I amplify those voices and what moments do I shut them off? And oftentimes those are in moments where I want to make myself smaller or I feel like I need to move away or I feel like maybe I don't have the right to be upset or to be this passionate 
or to speak out in this particular moment. And it's a constant negotiation. I think it's even more true as a Black woman, as a queer woman, as, you know, a person who grew up in the urban core um, and in mar a participant of marginalized communities. It's a constant preponderance of where exactly my feelings, my emotion, my voice, my body fits in from one moment to the next. And so it, it, it makes sense that that itty bitty shitty committee are the ones telling me more times, more often than not, that I, I need to be quieter to make my voice soft, that I need to speak a certain way, that I need to over enunciate or articulate myself in order to be um, credible or viable in, in before a particular audience. And a lot of that is what you've just described as the ego at work, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you can also conceptualize your ego as your personality, right? What you think of yourself as your personality. And that's not to say that, I, and, and we certainly don't want to talk shit on the ego, right? The ego sure. is the ego is real. <laughs> the ego is necessary. The ego is helpful. The ego helps us to navigate life here on planet Earth, right? The ego is a lot, what allows us to do math problems and to navigate directions and things mm -hmm. of that nature, right? But it's almost like the ego should be in the passenger seat, not the driver's seat. That's cool. that's a good way to put it. So, mm -hmm. so you know, that I think covers a little bit about what I want to say about the ego. Now, let's talk about intuition, because that was mm -hmm. the other part of your question, right? Your intuition is your most natural impulse. It's as we just as we describe with the babies. The baby's not questioning itself. The baby is just expressing, right? Whether that's crying, whether that's emotional reactions, when they're a little bit older, whether that's words, right? Kids are honest as hell, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because they don't 100%. know what rules, right? They don't know that they're not supposed to be honest. Yeah, they don't have a filter or they haven't been given this pseudo filter that they have been prompted to use in certain situations. They just know they feel a way. And that way needs to be declared and needs to be present and clear to the people around them. Absolutely. So it's and I think it's shown by the age of seven about unfortunately, most children have really been pretty conditioned um, to to behave in certain ways to please their parents to please their teachers to please our society in general, but it's not healthy and, and the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I I was. I, I like to say I won school, right? I was a 4.0 student, even through graduate school. It was incredibly important to me to get really oh, good grades. You, you won, you won. <laughs> I won Mercy. school, right? And yet, and I was a great physical therapist and I had a lot of, you know, I, I've certainly had the academic, um, the privilege to have so much um, academic training. And yet, mm -hmm when it came to my self-awareness and my awareness of my emotions or my mental health, I was clueless. I mean, I literally, when I had children, that was the first time that I really was unable to lie to myself anymore that my mental health was normal because I was having, I was really struggling after both first my first child and then even worse after my second because it was a birth trauma. But even as a mom of one, I mean, I would watch Sesame Street or Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is an um, more modern, um, Mr. Rogers, who we shouted out to, I think last Absolutely. week. <laughs> um, um, he was wonderful. And, um, and I genuinely learned, right? I was genuinely learning because I grew up in a house with a mentally ill mother and a, a lot of a bully of a brother and a lot of trauma and chronic stress. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, unstable adults and, um, you know, my needs weren't being met especially emotionally, right? And we can only ever do as well as we're taught. So, yeah. so later on, well, I'll talk about it more specifically, where our emotions come from, why that's so important. But I want to say that this really is the, 
the class or the the conversation that I would have that would have saved my life would have truly saved me so much suffering because my mental health became so severe that in 2017 I was um, diagnosed as bipolar and I became suicidal. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, to say that this caused an issue in my life would be an understatement, and it is very much this understanding of the fact that we all have an ego and we also all have intuition and what that practically means. See, so, and that's where I want to go before we jump into our first break is real quick, you know, we've, we posited the title of the show now that we know what ego is and, right. and intuition is, we posited them as a versus, but I don't, I, I want to be clear about whether or not this is a juxtaposing or like uh, uh, opposing component right if there's a, an oppositional relationship between intuition and ego or whether or not they're on the same side so like what is the relationship there what is the tension there if any yeah I do I do honestly think about it as the devil and the angel on your shoulder in many hmm. ways I mean you really do have both you are both you know you have an ego and you have intuition and unlike the itty bitty shitty committee of the ego the intuition is a, that compassionate loving voice within you that says no you are worthy no matter what you look like okay. you are an, an extension of God and I'm you know and for anybody who who's definition of God is limited to white Republican Jesus, who we'll talk about in uh, in, in episode eight, you know, you might want to dip out of this conversation because my, when I talk about God or, you know, higher self or uh, universe, uh, source energy, these are all, um, these are all synonyms in my view. Um, There's a very real practical application to this. This is not theological. This is not theological. This is practical. As I said, mm-hmm. these are really the teachings that would have significantly reduced the amount of suffering that I had to endure in my life as a result of my mental health. And I know I'm not alone, <laughs> right? So many people are suffering with mental health. And I believe it was in the neurodivergence episode with George, in which we talked about that mental health is a spectrum in which we're all on because each and every one of us has an ego (laughs) absolutely yeah well I mean you know and and a lot of the we've been doing some patchwork so like you just mentioned the episode about exploring new or divergence is something that people can look into we've also kind of gotten into the way ego and intuition intuitive eating right may influence how we naturally even adapt to the things we put in our body so our conversation about fat phobia even last week might be something that our listeners want to go back and check out so just make sure that you are like i said we are suturing again this is a network this is this is a patchwork right of beautiful conversations that we want you to make sure you take advantage of listening to um in your at your leisure, but get a piece of all of these conversations to see how they work together. We're going to get more into ego and intuition now that we know the relationship between them here in a second after this break. But this is even we know that on the Inspired Choices Network. Trauma, spirituality and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? 
Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Hello, everybody. My name is Kat Schwarz of Compassionate Healing Services. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, LaToya Green of Higher Definition LEC. This is our show, Even We Know That, on the Inspired Choices Network. And before the break, we were talking about uh, just defining ego versus intuition as we dive into this conversation a little bit. And I love that you hearkened back to our conversation last week about intuitive eating. It was the, the episode name was called Folk focusing on fat phobia. We certainly talked about a lot more than just that, but that's a beautiful example because intuitive eating really was my first unbeknownst to me spiritual practice mm -hmm. <laughs> because a little bit more about my background. Not only was I a physical therapist for almost 20 years, I was also an atheist for 18 of those years. I had grown up as a Catholic and mm -hmm. When my father died when I was 21, my faith died with him. And I really was staunchly at that point um, of the belief that only if you could um, prove it with the scientific method, was it even believable? And I was right. very much in that. I really deeply through those two avenues, physical therapy and atheism, really deeply explored this idea that we're just these physical bodies, <laughs> right? Sure. And what happened through my mental breakdown, what they were calling bipolar disorder, and then as a result of all the medications I was being forced to take, told I would have to take for the rest of my life, really um, getting into a suicidal mindset around that. And it was my me starting to open my mind to the idea that first with intuitive eating, just that my body had some wisdom within it, right? Sure. It didn't have to rely on people or books or supposed experts outside of my own self to really know, let's say when I was hungry or when I was full or what types of food my body might feel best in, or after some experimentation, what types of food don't make my body feel best, right? Sure. Like, that's the basis of intuitive eating. And then I started doing, because I had let go of eating and um, of exercise for weight loss, right? The number one thing you have to let go of when you start eating intuitively is the goal to lose weight. And so once I let go of that and therefore started doing yoga just for inner peace and not for weight loss, mm -hmm. and I really started through the practice of yoga, which is inherently spiritual practice and the um, really um the teachings of yoga, which are based in much in, uh, in Buddhism and Hinduism, I, again, started really um, hearing a different voice. I started to be able to quiet the itty bitty shitty committee <laughs> or the ego or the right. conditioned mind. We're really talking about the same thing here. And I was able to hear a voice within when I was really quiet and really relaxed that just, you know, actually practically helped me work through my problems. You know, this, again, this all had very practical applications and it's why I continued to 
go down that path, even though it wasn't, I wasn't searching for God. I wasn't search seeking out spirituality. I was just trying to feel better. Sure. And, and the things like I was doing such as intuitive eating and then yoga and then cannabis were helping me so much more than anything else. The traditional mental health um, system was telling me to do. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I'm interested when you say I just wanted to feel better, right? I wanted to, I mean, and very muchly in your mind, in your body, in the spaces that you're in, the relationships that you're in, oftentimes you find yourself just wanting to feel as though you're there. And so feelings, though, I think, and you mentioned emotions earlier briefly when we talked um, in the first segment, just when we were tying together what ego and intuition are. And so when I think about, you know, wanting to feel better or paying attention to my feelings or acknowledging through trial and error what make me feel one way, what makes me feel another way, how those feelings change and fluctuate, um, you know, I, I guess the question I want to ask you is then why are emotions an effective guidance system, right? Because a lot of people say oftentimes women, oftentimes uh, feminized individuals, oftentimes marginalized communities who have been put in position in a certain place are told, you know, you kind of in your feelings too much, right? We are uh, constantly being discouraged from making decisions and navigating through this life of our base, life of ours based on our feelings. So make sense of this kind of reliance and appeal to your feelings or your emotions as you attempt to operate through intuition. Why is that a good thing? It's a life-saving thing. So, and the fact that our, our society very much discouraged, as you pointed out, being emotional, especially, you know, women are accused of being overly emotional, though, have you seen our male politicians? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? um, whereas our emotions literally, as you, as you alluded to, are our guidance. So let me explain that a little bit, right? So, mm -hmm. We're breaking it down to the concept that each and every human being has, not is, has a body, right? Has a mind or an ego and has or is a soul, okay? And you can think about your soul as the frequency, everything is energy, right? We've right. talked about this before. Absolutely everything is energy. And quantum physics specifically has proven to us the interconnectedness of the universe, right? The, the ability of, of, of one particle to a, a impact another and, you know, at distances that would blow your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, 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 even within our current scientific understanding, we have, we have concepts to describe this. So just like everything is energy and everything is energy, you are at your core energy. And you can call that energy your intuition or the source within you or your higher self. Intuition's another word for God, I say, right? That is the eternal frequency that, that follows you body after body, lifetime after lifetime, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a fact. It's just, it just is. And the fact that you are this source energy, that you are connected to this source energy at all times, you cannot disconnect from it. Okay. That is always at the frequency of divine love or unconditional love. And you can think about that as the concept of a radio station, right? Okay. You're only going to hear what's on 106.7 if you're tuned into 106.7. And you can only tune in to the energy of your source or really align with the energy of your source when you are vibrating at unconditional love. Okay. Anything that deviates from that is a gap between the source of who you are and who, where your human mind has decided to vibrate. Because there's essentially two parts of you. You are energy in a human body, 
but mm. it's just a small part of your energy that is incarnated, incarnated in this body. The much larger part of you still exists outside this time, space, and time, space reality. So there's a part of you that is always vibrating at unconditional love or the highest frequency there is. Okay. 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 Whereas traumatized you, conditioned you, sad you, pissed off you, right? The, the human part of you, the ego part of you isn't vibrating there. The ego part of you is thinking about all the things that you've been through or all the people mm -hmm. that have wronged you or all the people that have pissed you off or all the stuff you have to do that you don't want to do, right? What you are feeling, the emotion you are feeling in your body is your best indicator, whether you're aligning with the energy of your source or whether you're far away from it. So essentially, you can think of the better you feel, the more aligned your energy is with the true source of you, you you're going to feel great. And your attraction power is going to magnify significantly. Because mm. it's like I said before, we don't want to talk shit on the ego or even eradicate the ego. I'm definitely not one of those spiritual teachers that will tell you to, you know, dissolve the ego. They tend to be the most egoic. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking about dissolving the ego. It's really about integrating the ego, letting it be that passenger and not the driver's seat, right? So, so your emotions really are your most sophisticated indicator of where you are vibrating. If you feel good, you are in energetic alignment with you. Right. If you feel crappy, take a nap <laughs> or do something that's going to make that's going to help you release that um, that resistance within you that's causing that negative emotion. So help like help me then let's let's make this material right. You said earlier and I really enjoyed you were like this is not theological right. This is not even overly theoretical. This is very muchly practical. So when we think about ego versus uh, intuition, we recognize that the ego is not something that should be completely shut off or completely disregarded, but rather navigated through and used as a guide, right? As an accessory accessory or as enhancement for what our emotions are telling us, right? Um, how do we materialize that, for example, in relationships? As we attempt to build intimate relationships, familial relationships, as we attempt to maybe navigate hurt or frustration or pain or a lack of direction in the in the in the relationships that we have or even if we question the relationships that we're in how do we use ego and intuition as guides to navigate that way we're not you know disregarding our partners for example because we're only operating out of emotion or being assholes <laughs> to people we allegedly care about because we're operating solely out of ego or letting ego drive a lot of our behaviors. Long story short, give us some practical kind of contextualization of ego, intuition, and how we can apply those things to, for example, our relationships. Well, the short answer no one really wants to hear is that the only relationship you can really ever work on is that with yourself, mm -hmm. right? You have to be able to have the Mo uh, mental and emotional intelligence and maturity and ability to really um, do the shadow work necessary and the trauma healing work necessary so that it's not the world's job or even your your, your spouse's job not to trigger you. It's your job to work on your triggers. Wow. Right? Wow. And, you know, and, uh, you know, as somebody who became a mother and it really um, set me on a as I said, a very severe mental health journey. I was still a mom during that time. And I, I had to get to a point in my recovery, and I, I recognize the privilege in this statement, where I would rather have spent 10 minutes with my kids and given them all of me than an hour or a full day in which I am just 
you know, nasty and, you know, just getting through the day and, and, you know, emotionally traumatizing them in, in the uh, process. Right. So, but of course, once you do have the time, space, privilege and awareness and uh, discipline to do this kind of work, then of course that spills over into your relationships, right? So, and the most practical tool that we use to tap into intuition is any form of mindfulness work, Mm -hmm. right? Whether that be meditation or yoga or Reiki. And the way that I, I teach meditation is imagine that as you sit and close your eyes or lower your gaze and you notice or observe those habitual thoughts. So thought, you know, beliefs are just thoughts we think chronically, right? And most of our thoughts from today are the exact same thoughts that we thought yesterday, right? So as you watch those exact same thoughts and and emotional reactions to those thoughts arise, watch them pass by like you watch a rainstorm pass by. Because Mm. yes, while you might, well, that, you know, that thought or that traumatic event or this fight with your significant other is causing that big storm within you those are the clouds but you're the sky yeah you are that present consciousness that is not focused in the same way as your ego right the ego and the and the um intuition fundamentally disagree your ego is constantly trying to keep you in this loop of you know what it considers to be safety or security because it's your comfort zone it's your your known um you know what you know no matter how uncomfortable it might be whereas your intuition is that part of you that knows that you literally came to earth to expand and to grow and that means you know moving on from perhaps relationships or jobs or people and friends or um habits um that you always held on to right so i want to well no and because i, I want to make sure we take our break and then come back to this because there are some things i want you to unpack and sit on just a little bit further before we go these are great conversations on the inspired choices network but you don't always have to listen live you don't always have to watch live there's an app for that right so go to your app store find the inspired choices app watch the live podcast watch these productions and presentations stay tapped in with us don't miss a beat we'll be right back after this break so we can finish talking more about ego and intuition Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Catch Wars. 
To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Kat Schwartz. This is my co-host, Latoya Green. This is Even We Know That. And we are talking on the Inspired Choices Network. And we are talking today about ego versus intuition. So before the break, we were talking more in depth. I know what you said. I think you wanted me to unpack a few things. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed hearing you explain ego as a loop and then uh, intuition as expansion. Right. So kind of... Say it again. You almost think about intuition as if we're thinking about ego as a loop, you can think of intuition as a spiral. And I, I like that, right? And so when we are using and navigating kind of ego as a like explain ego as a loop. How is it that we get stuck, if you will, through that through that frame of reference or understanding? Yeah. And I think it harkens back to our initial, our second episode where we talk about complex trauma, right? You know, pretty much at this point, even if you have a family that is, you know, like the, one of those, you know, families we see on just on television, right? They're, they never fight. They're, they're all loving and perfect to one another. The reality is that's not the society that we live in, especially if you're not a white heterosexual man. Right. <laughs> right? right. You know, those of us with um, marginalized identities don't, aren't so lucky to not grow up in trauma. And really it's just, it's just a matter of defining trauma. We really all experience trauma all the time, of course, to different levels and degrees. I'm certainly not minimizing those of us myself included, Toya included, who've been mm-hmm. through very significant trauma, right? So, but trauma is far more than just those, um, you know, massive uh, life-altering events, right? Trauma, as we talked about in the episode with George or the consciously, you know, uh, trauma can be no one being at your baseball game for the entirety of your childhood, right? Yeah. I mean, um, so the fact that we really truly all are traumatized and some of us more, you know, much more significantly so starting at very young ages, your ego or your conditioned mind or that loop, right, really is that part of you that says, no, th- this world is not safe, right? Yeah. I can't be myself. I can't even be myself around my own family. If I am authentic, I'm going to lose connection. So it's that part of you, that mean part of you, that critical part of you that's telling you to shut up. Don't say that. Oh, that looks so stupid. Oh, I wonder how everyone, what everyone thinks about me because I just said that, right? I mean, it's that, it's that constant voice that's in, in some way, it's, I guess, well-intentioned in that it doesn't want you to get hurt, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It doesn't want you to be inauthentic authentic so that you lo- lose that connection. But in being authentic, you essentially are, you're very much literally hurting because the emotions that you're feeling, those negative emotions are your indication you're not in alignment with the energy that really is you. And you know, that reminds me about a, a, a phrase and a quote, and I wrote it down because if you have, and, and you maybe have just explained it, but I really want to sit there and make it clear and you do with it what you will. But a, fr- a quote from you when we were talking through this is that ego will save your life, right? Like that, I, is it, or was it intuition, right? I have here and I think we were talking more about mental health, right? Mental health care is concerning and it's a concern for everybody because everybody is affected. We talk about, when we talked about neurodivergence, we talked about mental health existing on a spectrum where we all are 
you know, existing in a way that could be diagnosed by somebody that could be um, perceived by somebody. But when it's all said and done, we all just live in flux as we come to understand ourselves, understand our traumas, have different life experiences, work and relate and build relationships with other people. Um, But that you said we um we're, we're all are affected. We're just missing that we all have ego, but ego will save your life. Was that a direct like just just I mean tell me what I could be misunderstanding or what we need to piece together in terms of the relationship between ego, uh, intuition and and how we preserve ourselves in the life that we have. Yeah, I mean, if I said that, I, I what I probably meant was that ego is trying to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Anything intuition will save your life. I'll give you a perfect example. So um, there is a spiritual teacher. Um, their name is Abraham Hicks. They are a spiritual channel um, that um, it's an entity of teachers that channels through a woman named Abraham Hicks. This has been on the planet since 1985. You can Google it. But mm-hmm. uh, but Abraham Hicks has taught me a lot. And there was a, a person sitting in the chair asking Abraham a question. And they said, well, I was sitting at my desk and I was just doing my work and I felt this impulse to lean forward. And I did. And the moment I did that, a ceiling tile fell from the, uh, fell from the, the ceiling and it mm-hmm. hit my chair and it would have hit my head. And Abraham's explanation was what a beautiful example of intuition or impulse, right? Because she could have received that impulse and first of all, been too busy or distracted with anxiety, depression, regret, anger to even hear it, right? Because fear is loud. Your conditioned mind is very, very loud. Intuition is very quiet. You really have to, or inspiration, you really have to get quiet. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do in our society, especially now, right? I mean, you know, I'm older than you, but I grew up in a time where you had to be bored. You know, you didn't have a choice. I know? was listen, don't don't I'm I'm cuspy. Okay. I was at a time where you just have to sit down and put your hands in your lap and you don't have a phone or a gadget or a device to go to. You just kind of hang out and watch the world happen around you. So I'm You're hip a to 90, that life as well. baby. I'll give you that. I'll give you 80, that. 89. I actually made the cut. I'm an 80s baby. Thank you very much. Let the record show. Excuse me. <laughs> no problem. So Toy and I, fine, I'll put you in my old category. Here you are. Toy Thank and you. I are old enough to remember a time where you did. I earned these grades. I want you to talk about them correctly. I earned them. <laughs> um, and that's a luxury these days, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking at my phone in a way that's problematic. So I certainly yeah. am not exempt of that. But, um, you know, so when you're looking for that or when you're trying to um, get beyond that really loud, conditioned, fear, fear-based voice, it takes discipline and it takes practice. But so if you're in a place where you're not worried about anything or angry about anything. And you're just in this present moment doing your work as this woman Mm. described. And she received an impulse that she didn't question. She didn't say, why would I lean forward? It doesn't make any sense to lean forward. Right. Because plenty of people get hit in the head, (laughs) right. Falling from the sky. And they also have a higher self that's trying to give them a heads up about that, but they're not tuned into it. It's why any spiritual teacher talks about the power of now, right? Mindfulness is all about practicing your ability to be present in this moment. So when you talk about the power of now and being present in this moment, I know, you know, we've also discussed in relationship to this conversation, the law of attraction. Is that, is there any 
continuity between the idea of operating now and then the law of attraction, which is also one of those other colloquial phrases or concepts that we've come to toss around in, you know, in in, in our conversations and in language and in discussion. Build, triangulate that for us. Where, Where does the law of attraction fit into all of this? Absolutely. Because as I said before, the fact that we are you know, we are energy at our core. We really are this eternal soul or this divine energy. That's just a fact. So is the law of attraction. The law of attraction is just a fact, right? Mm. Just like gravity is a fact. The law of gravity, right? We don't have to go to school in order to stick onto the planet, right? It just works each and every time consistently. The law of attraction is no different. What the law of attraction is responding to, though, are your thoughts, I, in the very beginning of this, I introduced ego as the mind or the thoughts that you're thinking, right? Those loud, conditioned, fear, trauma-based thoughts are what the law of attraction is responding to, right? Mm. And the law of attraction is responding to what you're thinking about, whether you want that thing or you don't want that thing. Mm -hmm. The law of attraction is not discerning between your wants, it's re- it's simply responding to what you are focused in in this moment, the thoughts that you're allowing in this moment. Which is wild because, I mean, you really do then get ownership back. You get to reclaim agency in terms Absolutely. of your journey. Now, for a lot of people, you may say it's, it's easier said than done, right? The law of attraction is based in this idea, this concept that if you think it, if you work toward it, if you are in alignment with certain things that they can come into your life, right? That there is a way to meaningfully and materially attract the things you want in this world. But I think that in a scary way gives us agency back, right? It, it takes back or participates. It makes us willful participants in this universe that we live in. You know, you you uh, uh, willful participants uh, in alignment with God, whichever version of that God you believe in. Willful participants in alignment with energy, because it says, you know, energy where 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 you go, energy flows, or where your mind goes, energy flows, right? And so you get to be a captain of you know your your orientation, your destination. If inside the itty bitty shitty committee is saying. We sick of you. You're terrible. You're nothing. You then the law of attraction is going to bring nothingness. It's going to bring tragedy. It's going to shift perspective and shape perspective. So that that old cup, we we really are trying to renegotiate whether or not it's full or empty. And we always will end up at empty, right? If we're not in a place where we align kind of our attentions, our goals, our desires with what it is that we're trying to attract in our day to day lives. Is that is that a fair kind of concept or thing to walk away from? Absolutely. I mean, it's it, it would we would be remiss and we will just we will um, talk about this in depth next week when we talk about healing, that healing really is a privilege, right? It's not enough to simply learn about the law of attraction and be able to apply that no matter what your circumstances, right? I mean, this is really high level stuff. And if you don't mm-hmm. have physical safety needs met, no, you're probably not going to be able to utilize the law of attraction um, to your advantage, right? So healing is a big part of this, of course. But that's not to say that any I mean, you and only you can think for you, right? You are the only one that can think your thoughts. And as you brilliantly said, where your mind goes, energy flows, where your attention goes, energy flows, or that will expand. It's why the war on anything has never worked. The war on obesity has made, you know, I hate the term, but the war on obesity has made us all fatter. The war on drugs has made us all more addicted. The war on crime has, you know, made crime run rampant because you can't push against anything. We're an attraction based universe, right? We're not, um, we're not a, 
an assertion-based universe. It's it's our attention to anything that gives it um, that gives it energy or that makes it grow. So because you are the only one that can think your thoughts and the, and the law of attraction is responding to each and every eight plus billion of us, right? There is no exception on this earth. Then you really are getting what you predominantly think about. But mm-hmm. because of factors we've covered before with trauma, especially severe trauma, complex trauma, the inaccessibility of healing, the the reality that our uh, society is inherently oppressive and, you know, um, you know, it's not, it's not set up for most of us to win, right? Right. Quite the opposite. It's working as intended. But as you said, it does, it is ultimately an empowering message. It does give you agency over your, um, or at least the beginnings of agency over your mind, right? Knowing that the thoughts that you're thinking, because your beliefs are what cre- are creating your reality, but your beliefs are simply thoughts that you've thought chronically. Yeah. I mean, and I want to be clear, you know, for people who are just like, yeah, it must be nice to say that or it's privileged to say, oh, I just got to change how I think and my life would be better. And, you know, my material reality is what it is. And all of those can be true, but, but they can be true at the same time. Right. A mindset shift, the ability to control your thoughts, the relationship of your thoughts, to your emotion, the ways that those materialize and the way that you treat yourself, the way that you talk to other people, the way that you recognize and acknowledge when you did grow, when you did change, when you did try, when you didn't give up, when you didn't fail. All of that is an opportunity of redress for where you speak to and how you speak to and where you come from in your mind. So there is, you know, a lot of connection and relationship, even if things aren't materially instantaneously changing, there's definitely a relationship between your, that, your trajectory and how you think and where you position yourself and your heart and your mind and the alignment therein. A lot of good stuff here. Kat is going to put some bowls on some of this conversation uh, once we come back from this last break, but this is even, we know that with Latoya Green and Cash Floors right here on the Inspired Choices Network. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to EvenWeKnowThat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. This is Even We Know That on the Inspired Choices Network. I'm Kat Schwarz of Compassionate Healing Services. This is my co-host, Latoya Green of Higher Definition LEC. Please check out the InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You'll find all our social links. Please, uh, please uh, get in touch. So, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to piggyback off something that you said just before the break, which is that you know for people listening who have been through a lot of trauma, who are currently going through a lot of trauma or living in a a very marginalized, you know, living a marginalized identity, um, how this can feel uh, maybe even uh, frustrating or victim blaming, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, we're all creating our own reality, right? I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for this horrible life that I'm living, right? I mean, please understand that your beliefs are shaped 
often before you have verbiage, right? I mean, your, your beliefs are the beliefs of your family. Your beliefs are the beliefs of your society for better or worse, mm-hmm. right? And in many cases, um, and for all of us societally, um, it's for worse, right? So, and what I want to say about that is, you know, while you cannot change your past, right? You cannot change the things that have happened to you. You can't change the fact that you were traumatized during your developmental years and might have a neurodivergent nervous system as a result of that. You know, you can't change that. But what you absolutely can change is your perspective on your past, right? Right. You know, it's not the events that happen to us. It's the stories that we tell about those events that are most damaging. And I remember being absolutely stunned. Someone, uh, you know, as someone who struggled severely with my mental health, I was diagnosed, um, like the correct diagnosis, I, I didn't say this in this episode, rather than bipolar disorder for me was complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started my healing journey by recognizing that I'd been through trauma, much less that I could heal that trauma. And I remember hearing a stat when I was doing uh, dialectical behavior skills training and um, that, that blew my mind, which is that emotions physiologically last only about 90 seconds. And I was like, oh, yeah, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can, I can run the clock up. Yeah. <laughs> Without stopping, right? But it's not that the emotion is never, you know, is, is constant. Um, it's the thoughts that are constant, right? Mm-hmm. Same thought, the same flashback, that same memory, that same, you know, running that situation through your head again and again and again is what's causing that a wave and the wave and the wave of emotion. You know, and I want to talk about this next week when we get into healing, but you know, it makes me think about the very, I guess, kind of weird or interesting relationship I have with uh, closure, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of time people's versions of closure are excuses to go back through and relive and reinvest and re-loop whatever traumatizing thing they went to as opposed to being like, wow, that happened. That was ass. That was pretty trash. I never wanted to experience that again. That really did the number on me. Gotta keep moving forward. Now, I've I've had a lot of back and forth in terms of the effectiveness of not of that and the lack thereof, because sometimes, and very recently, we were talking about an instance where I, you know, put the pin in something real quick and shut it down, and it, it came rearing its ugly head three or four years later, and I had to take a moment to really let it all out in ways that I didn't do before, right? But I think a lot, there's still value in, and I still want to find worth, even though I had that moment three or four years later where I still had to re-reckon with that, there was still value in me saying, you know what, enough is enough. I felt this experience. I felt this pain. I'm not about to sit up there and put myself on a repetitive loop on this. I have to just leave it behind and keep moving forward, right? And I think maybe from situation to situation, just as we adapt any other way, you know, maybe that worked for this thing and maybe it won't work for the next thing. But I think you have got to say all this to say, you just got to leave the option open for you not to sit there and replay and sit and muddle in some of your feelings, some of that emotion, some of that hurt, because that is when you end up slowing yourself down and taking away some of the agency you have to really say, no, this is where we're going. This is the direction that we're in. This is what I want to affirm for my life. This is the version of my reality I want to embrace, not the one where I'm beaten up and broken and discarded and forgotten about or whatever. This is the way that I want to exist through this experience. Absolutely. And I think it's the, it's, it's why if you go to my website, you'll see, I say mental health done differently because one of the major differences between if you come to me for mental health care, or you go to a traditional psychotherapist is we're not going to do a lot of talking about your trauma because mm-hmm. talking about trauma 
only um, re-traumatizes you often, right? When you talk about traumatic, traumatic things again and again, you're constantly reigniting those memories, which are constantly causing those feelings. And you really just get into this loop that feels terrible, right? Yeah. Where and and when I say changing your perspective, it's not, it's not that you have to look back at a at a horrific experience and feel joy. I mean that's that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, not right? at all. Not at all. Yeah. First of all, removing your attention from that memory as best you can, right? What you what you put your attention on will grow, right? Where your attention goes, your energy flows. So I, you know, when someone, um, a lot of people say forgiveness is a necessity. It's not. It's just the mm -hmm. ability. What's a necessity is your ability to remove your attention from that person because they don't deserve your attention, <laughs> right? Yeah. The person that you can't forgive, work on, for, work on, um, not thinking about that person, right? Because it's just that you don't, what what poisons you is every single time you put your attention on that person or that event, you're the one that feels bad. It's right. Yeah, I can, it couldn't be me. Poison and expecting someone else to die. I made the decision a while ago. It couldn't be me sitting up here in the middle of the night. I'm laying in my bed, can't sleep and the person that I'm upset and frustrated with is tucked in, feeling great at night. Like, no, nah, I'm gonna fight for my peace just for the simple fact that I'm too prideful to know that you at home laying up to give me the best Z's of your life. And I'm sitting up here battling with myself about something I didn't even do to me. Right. Okay. It's really an opportunity to rise to the challenge to say it hurt. It was bad. It was messed up. But you do have at least an iota of the ability to stand up in this situation, in this moment and say, this is my version. And that's the one I'm going to sit on, regardless of what happened to me, regardless of how bad it was. This is the version of the story right. that I'm going to tell to myself and anybody else. And as hard as it is to hear, you know, it's just one of those things that as you become more and more spiritually aware and mature, and you realize that this entire life experience, it's not supposed to, you know, it's not about having a problem-free life, really are the problems that arise in our lives are for us. That part. For us to clarify our true desires or to say, are you living authentically, right? Our problems are simply opportunities for us to clarify what we really want. Every single relationship, you could see every single relationship, even if it ended as um, as something that helped you grow, not a failure, right? Yeah. Every single relationship that you have teaches you what you're put, what you want to put up with or what you're looking for in the next partner. Um, you know, so it's, it's powerful to reframe your thoughts around your previous experiences, because again, you can't change your experiences, but you absolutely can change your perspective on it. And it's life-changing. I mean, that part, you know, I mean, that makes me excited and geared up for next week's conversation about healing. So don't miss it. If you got anything out of this discussion in the one next week is going to be even better. Make sure you meet us at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific and whatever times in between, as well as whenever you want to catch the show on whatever platforms you listen to your podcast and watch your TV shows on the Inspired Choices Network is a great place to get unlimited information. If you got some things you want to say, reach out to Inspired Choices Network. If you want to go, Get to the app store right now and download the Inspired Choices Network app. That way you can catch our voices, the voices of many other people, and maybe even find yourself in the mix of the wonderful people over at ICN. This has been the Even We Know That show. This is Latoya Green here with Catch Wars. We'll see you next week. Thanks Stay for tuned. joining us. Thank you for listening to the Even We Know That Show. LaToya and Kat return Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, don't be afraid to say the quiet parts out loud.